Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? are talking about oh, the mental health crisis in education. And we've known for a while that there was a student mental health crisis, but now more than ever, there is an adult or educator or even anyone that supports schools in general crisis. And with that crisis, there is a max, a mass exodus of educators from the field of education. So this is a really, really, really big problem. And it has been a problem for a while, but it's definitely been magnified by the pandemic. Oh, man. So what's ultimately happening is teachers are leaving their careers that they love, love kids, love teaching, something they love, in a last-ditch effort to save and preserve any bit of mental health or mental energy that they have left. So the question becomes, how on earth did we get here? I know I was reading recently about one teacher who said she just felt hopeless and how a lot of her colleagues had shared the same, that she wasn't the only one feeling that way. And she decided to leave the profession. And she she did because she said she felt like if she couldn't keep it together enough, together enough to teach, then she felt like she was failing and that really affected her psyche, which was already diminishing and diminished from being in the field. In addition to that, there's been a lot of interview and work that I've done coaching schools on mental health supports for the educators. It was a big shift I made during the pandemic. A lot of my work has been coaching schools and educators and, and people around those fields on how to manage and deal with kids that are stressed out exposed to trauma uh, or just have big emotions and big feelings. Well, I still do that, but there was a shift during the pandemic to do a lot more coaching and even a little bit of course creation around kind of stress management. I mean, people might call it self-care, but it's really just managing your your nervous system and your stress levels so that you don't burn out. So it's preventing, preventing teacher burnout, addressing some of that secondary trauma that someone had shared during that time that she felt like the things in her life that brought her joy, she was giving up for a job. So she didn't have time to spend with her family. She didn't have time to go home and cook. She didn't have time to work out or to exercise or to eat well because she was bringing so much work home because she couldn't get it done in the school day that she had to forego all of those activities that sustained her and brought her joy, which is, I'm going to guess, most people's norm right now in education. They are not having enough time in school to teach the curriculum to get everything done. They're dealing with crisis situations between and around uh, that. 
and they end up bringing significant amounts of work home. There were also a lot of, <laughs> yeah, this is something I learned recently that I was so shocked by. A lot of people that shared that they did not have any paid maternity leave and they had to use all of their sick days to be able to take any time off and ended up not coming back after maternity leave because they were told and it was shared and discovered that because they had used all their sick time for maternity leave, which wasn't even a great or significant amount of, of time anyhow, because your, your sick time as an educator, I don't know, maybe six weeks, eight weeks, 10 max, but they had no sick days left. So should they get sick or their child get sick or even God forbid get COVID, they couldn't take any time off work, at least not paid time off uh, because they had no time left. And I can speak on this <laughs> as I just had a child in July I remember reaching out to HR a couple months prior to the birth and um, trying to access the maternity leave policy. And, and I, I never looked at it. I just had always assumed that I had paid FMLA. And I learned I didn't. I didn't have a single day of paid leave by my job. A job in early intervention and preschool suspension expulsion that promotes connection and spending time with your kids and building relationships and the importance of the family dynamic did not give me a single paid day off. I had to use all of my sick leave. So I returned a week. I returned to work. I think I was slated to come back about six weeks, eight weeks, six or eight weeks of, of paid leave, not sorry, not paid leave of <laughs> used up sick days to, to earn that six to eight weeks. And ended up taking, uh, I think, a week or two of short-term disability just to be able to get to that like 10-week mark and then came back to work and have no, had no, still have no, <laughs> paid sick days. So if myself or my kiddo gets sick, um, I either have to take an unpaid day or, well, that's it. <laughs> so you can imagine how all these things mount and really just impact your psyche. I mean, even if an educator needs a mental health day, even if I would need a mental health day, I can't take one. They can't take one. We can't take one. So that's just not, not a good position to be in. And teaching is a really demanding job. Before the pandemic, it was among one of the most stressful occupations on par with nursing. And it's only gotten worse because of COVID-19. There's a lot of research, actually. There's um, something called the RAND study. It was done in June of 2021. And based on the data, they found that teaching may now be the most uh, stressful profession, period, of all times, of all jobs. <laughs> um, and they found that uh, teachers were almost three times more likely to report symptoms of depression than other adults. So clearly, we are at the point where it's beyond the breaking point. We've surpassed it. And we are struggling with this on top of additional stressors like declining morale, horrific company culture, mismanagement of administration or administration that is constantly putting out fires that doesn't have time to focus on company culture, morale, stress, management, all these things. And as we all know, low, low, low pay. It's a, a term that researchers actually have coined 
in the field of education. It's called teacher pay penalty. It refers to the fact that an average teacher earns 20% less than accountants, journalists, inspectors, and computer scientists or engineers, which are professions that require the uh, like a similar maybe skill set or time in education in order to earn that degree in that in a similar rand study nearly a thousand former public school teachers nearly two-thirds of of a thousand uh, nearly two-thirds of those left during the pandemic because their salary they noted that the salary was the biggest factor of their their leave which is interesting in in a pandemic global pandemic people are losing their jobs and are fearing financial stability that educators are choosing to quit their jobs because of other financial strains uh, in the world and as we enter into a recession and inflation goes up i wonder if we're going to i don't wonder i know we're going to see more and more of this happening oof so they stole school, stole. <laughs> wow. Feels like a Monday, but it's not a Monday. School staffing shortages are not, not a new thing. This has been a problem for a long time. Teacher burnout. And you know, there's, there's like a, a stat. I remember being in college and undergrad and sad. Most people don't make it five years in education before, before leaving the profession. But what we're seeing now is unprecedented staff crisis or staffing crisis in almost every job category. Like it used to be hard to find an elementary ed job. Um, you can get a job almost <laughs> anywhere in education nowadays. Uh, yikes. Um, there's just a lot of need here right now. And I think, I, I shouldn't even say I think, I, I know, I know that this burnout, this low pay, this company culture and, the mental health crisis, it's going to contribute to a mass, mass exodus of teachers. And we don't have the data to support that yet because it hasn't fully happened, but we're there. It's going to happen. I mean, even in my position, I, I hear people talking about retiring early, people about looking for their jobs, people about leaving the profession completely, not even just like doing kind of something outside of maybe direct service and out of public ed, but like like taking jobs from Microsoft, instructional design or training, just leaving for cultures that do it better and fields that um, support their employees better and for a much higher pay, most probably double the pay. So, oh, yikes. But we're finally beginning to recognize that schools are a place where it's more than just teaching and learning and writing, and math, and reading. <laughs> we are finally learning, or at least embracing the idea that a cluttered mind space, a emotionally unwell or mentally unwell mind space cannot focus, cannot teach, cannot learn, cannot listen. And that's an energy and a lot of funding really needs to be put here, but that alone probably isn't going to fix the problem. It's going to help alleviate it a bit, addressing the mental health crisis, putting supports in place, and not just hiring more, more educators or more mental health professionals. This is something that needs ongoing training. This is not like a one-off PD. This is ongoing coaching supports, guidance, accountability, training, follow-up that's going to need to be in place to help fix this problem. And a way to find uh, 
reduction of tasks. Maybe it's hiring lower level people to do some of the tasks that teachers don't need to be doing to give them some of their time back. Hiring more professionals, which we're in a hiring crisis, so that's probably not going to happen. But how can we use the funding that we have to pay educators more and get them more support so they have more freedom of time? And how can we ensure that they don't take work home? Why are they doing some of the like minutia of the daily grind that they don't need to be doing? I mean, I think about it even in my job where I've been asked to do a lot of standardized testing and writing up these reports. And I have such a unique skill set where I have such a deep background in stress, trauma, behavior, the brain, course creation, PD, training, coaching. And I'm like, excuse my French, but why the hell am I spending time doing these standardized tests and writing up reports and evaluations? That is such a horrible use of my skill set. Because I have, again, such a unique skill set. Why, why am I using it to do something that anyone could be trained to do? Anyone can implement a standardized test. They literally give you a booklet. You read the instructions. You follow the steps. You record the data. You put it in a report. It is incredibly simple and not something that a lot of people in education that have a unique skill set should be doing. It, it's a waste of their time. So then what happens is you, as an educator, feel like you're doing tasks and things that are not really worth your time or that are kind of under your your pay grade or your skill set, then you become um, aware of like this job dissatisfaction. And that starts to impact you because you feel out of alignment. And when you feel out of alignment, eventually it drives you to likely leave your position or, or make a big change or do something to feel better about being in alignment. So all these factors are impacting the field of education right now. So much so that there have been educators that have actually left the field, taken jobs in corporate America or wherever else it is, another field completely. And they are now training teachers how to redo their resume, how to interview and how to find these types of jobs so that it's easier for them to leave. People are making a career out of helping people leave education. That's the state we're in right now. It is wild and mind-blowing to me. Just absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. So the pressure is on for schools to figure out solutions. And I don't know how well we're going to do that because as I watch administration put all their attention to putting out fires, they do not have time or they do not create the time to step back and see the bigger problem at hand in order to address it. And when that problem is brought to their table, even if a solution is brought with it, they aren't hearing it and they especially aren't responding to it but eventually they're going to have to react to it because it's going to be such a big, glaring, gaping hole that they can't overlook it any longer. Mm. Oh. This is going to have to be another episode that we are going to have to expand on because I'm going to be like, what are the solutions to all these problems? You know, we, we all are kind of resonating with some of these things. And for those of us who really love the helping profession and love teaching and love kids and don't want to see the kids have to experience the aftermath of, of all of this going on, what can we do to fix this problem? And what can we do now? How can we be more preventative instead of just waiting until we have to react? What can we do today, tomorrow, and the weeks coming? How can we plan ahead? And where do we need to make changes at supports and what do we need to do differently to fix this problem it's not going to be fixed overnight but we can at least get started on it and coming up with real reasonable solutions instead of these just things that we throw at the wall that just aren't aren't long-term sustainable fixes what can we do how can we do it how quickly can we do it 
and how do we not wait until it's too late? More on that in another episode later. <laughs> Let's go to today's list of question, which is, how do I help my child with ADHD? Well, a child that has ADHD is typically sensory overloaded. There's just so much going on in their sensory system that they have a hard time focusing. So how can we design spaces or change spaces or alter spaces to reduce the overload, the sensory overload, remove stuff from walls, reduce sounds, reduce clutter. All of those things will help a child who has a diagnosis of ADHD or even a child that's just hyperactive or impulsive come back down to neutral because their systems are really wound up tight. And I would say the other thing that you could do is work on what you call maybe like executive functioning skills, prefrontal cortex skills, essentially mindfulness, meditation, stretching, yoga, th things that help kids to slow down because if the mind is going really fast, when you practice and intentionally do things that slow you down, the more you do those, the stronger that part of the brain becomes like a muscle and you're strengthening that muscle and working with that muscle. So when you do more and more and more of that, then that part of the brain overrides the emotional part, which is uh, the part where it's really impacted by ADHD and sensory overload and all of those things. So things like that. Simple games that could address these things. Jenga, Twister, Kaplunk, Don't Break the Ice. Why? Because you just stop and think before you act. So that hits that area and grows that area of the brain. All right, to wrap up the show and share with you a tried at home tip, which is spend more time in natural light. Why? Because dimmed light, artificial light, they're stressors to the, the stress response in the nervous system. They make you tired and groggy. But when you're in natural light, because it's it's our biology's um, most natural spot, place, state to, to be in that natural light, a lovely little chemical called serotonin is produced. And that makes you feel happy. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel alert. So if we can't work in natural light, at least walking to places where we can get access to it. It doesn't necessarily mean outside. It could be a window, but get away from that artificial light, get out of that dim lit, no window space and find more of that natural light. That's it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember, try to home tip, get to that natural light. And if you're looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, or the brain, I'd love to be part of your learning journey. Behavior Hub offers all kinds of courses and training and coaching and workshops around this, as well as university credit from the University of Pennsylvania. So to learn more, shoot me a text at 717-693-7744. And until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer, and thanks for joining me.